Hello, Logic friends. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by Cinesis.io. These guys have been my reseller for over 15 years, and we could not do what we do without them. They're fantastic partners, no matter what size your business. To find out more about their remote workflow solutions, check them out at Cinesis.io. The forum is open. If you haven't already signed up for forum.logic.tv, head on over there right now. We have almost 800 users, 65,000 page views a month. It really is becoming the place to go for all things flame and visual effects. That's forum.logic.tv. Logic.tv is now on Patreon. If you like what we're doing with the forum, Logic Live and Logic.tv, then please consider heading on over to patreon.com slash logic.tv and signing up as a patron. We have three tiers of sponsorship with some great swag, discounts, and other benefits for our patrons. So again, that's patreon.com slash logic.tv. My guests this week were Tom Taylor and Tom Gentry from Gunpowder. Curious about running Flame in the cloud? What about other VFX apps? What are the pros and cons of cloud workflows? And how much does it all cost? Gunpowder has the answers. These guys are our newest sponsor and have tailored their own homegrown, fully-fledged virtual VFX facilities. The lovely and talented Randy McEntee co-hosted this excellent chat with Gunpowder. Hey! Ah, two for two. Excellent. Well, it's all downhill from here, right? Thank you, Randy. Oh, it's so nice to have the support there. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name is Andy. Welcome to another exciting episode of Logic Live. It is Sunday. It is February 28th. Happy end of February. And uh, I wanted, before we go any further, just everybody, please be sure to set your chat window to panelists and attendees so everybody can see uh, the chat. And if you do have any questions for our guests today, please be sure to put them in the Q&A panel down at the bottom there. That way we can keep track of who's asked what and make sure everybody gets their stuff answered. All right. Let's get underway. We've got a great, great show for you today. Let me just spotlight this for everybody. And here we go. All right. This episode of Logic Live is brought to you by Cynesis.io, Solutions Development Integration and Support. You, uh, you've heard me talk about these guys. They've been my personal reseller for over 15 years, and we could not do what we do without them. And they've been longstanding supporters of the Flame community. They've always sponsored user groups all over North America. They've sponsored uh, the the parties we've had, the Logic parties at NAB, uh, and and so much more. So we want to thank these guys for always being such great supporters of the Flame community. Synesis.io, supporting Flame artists since 1997. Just want to take a minute to thank all of our patrons. We uh, Randy and I launched uh, a Patreon for Logic TV a few weeks ago, and the support has been fantastic. We have three different tiers of support. Um, as you can see here, and, and you can check them out on the website. Uh, each tier gets you a little bit more in the way of merch and uh, and little benefits. These are our, our patrons. We want to thank the new patrons that, that came on board, even as recently as just before the show. So thank you very, very much. Uh, the first round of merch has gone out. Uh, I went to the post office on Friday, uh, and uh, the rest is going to go out ne uh, you know uh, next week. So thank you, everybody, for your support. If you'd like to support what we're doing, with Logic, uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Logic TV. And I uh, also want to thank, see, this is, I can't look at the chat because <laughs> you have no idea how much I love singing shows. Well, actually, you know who has an idea is anybody from Lively who's on knows of my affinity for uh, singing show tunes while uh, while compositing. It's actually like kryptonite, actually. It keeps everybody away. It's really wonderful. Um, we. Uh, Want to give a shout out to our friends at Boris FX. You all know them, you love them. They make the best plugins in the business, and they've offered up a discount code for Logic TV uh, viewers. So if you are in the market for any of their products, whether it's Sapphire, Mocha, Silhouette Paint, 
the new optics or uh, anything, a continuum, um, you can save 15% on any Boris FX product, standalone or subscription when you use the code LOGIC-15 at checkout. Thank you, everybody at Boris FX. And uh, a little teaser. Coming soon, we have a, a, something very exciting we want to announce, something that Randy and I are calling Logic Academy, uh, a series of kind of deep dives and, and, and instruction on, uh, on, some, on some features in, uh, in Flame and in compositing. We have one coming up soon uh, that was put together by Jeff Kyle, uh, who uh, has been a fixture here and is an absolutely wonderful guy. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's really, really great content, and we're just happy to be able to share it with the community. So thank you, Jeff. And uh, again, stay tuned for that. Uh, speaking of staying tuned. That's right, everybody. We are heading back into the Render Dome at the end of March, March 28th at 2 p.m. on uh, on Sunday, March 28th. It's Render Dome 2. This time it's Instinctual. We've got Alan versus Jesse uh, from Instinctual. And, uh, you know, I asked these guys if they if they could send me a picture that I could use. And I'll tell you something. They didn't disappoint. You're absolutely right, Randy. That is the most Alan T-shirt of all time. <laughs> so, uh, looking forward to that. There's going to be more to uh, more to announce about the Render Dome as we get closer. But I just wanted everybody to mark their calendars because uh, this one's going to be, well, it's going to be instinctual. Let's just say that. So Sunday, March 28th, mark your calendars for Render Dome Two. All right. I want to welcome uh, my guests for today, or our guests for today. Uh, we got Tom Gentry and Tom Taylor from Gunpowder. If you guys wouldn't mind turning on your cameras. And joining the party, I'll remove the spotlight from myself. There we go. I feel like after that intro, I need to do sort of a news anchor, like a you know, spin around. <laughs> <laughs> right? This just in. This just in. Welcome, you welcome in? with the weather. Exactly, right? <laughs> it's 10 past the hour here in the Hudson Valley of New York. Uh, and Randy, if you want to come on. There we go. Hey. Blue, blue lights. I love your blue room, man. It's almost like we worked this out ahead of time. I just steal whatever you do, Andy. Oh, come on. You make it better. I thought the background was meant to be green. This camera is not color corrected. Okay. <laughs> so now we got something to work on for next week. So uh, Tom and Tom uh, work or have a company rather uh, called Gunpowder, and they specialize in this thing called uh, the cloud. I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, it's very popular nowadays, but uh, this really has been, you know, like a, a not just a, a obviously a, a topical thing since we've all been in lockdown for a year, uh, but it's 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 something that has grown, changed, gained more traction, and uh, and 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 continues to do so almost on a on a week by week basis. So we were very excited to have these guys come on board. They're actually new sponsors of ours uh, here at, at Logic.tv, and we wanted to talk to them about VFX in the cloud. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. About, about yourselves and about the company. Yeah, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And I think, you know, you sort of uh, hit the nail on the head right when you're beginning there. You said that the cloud is becoming more and more prevalent. This is sort of something that myself and Tom, you know, we, we, we saw started happening and we said, right, I think there's something there. I think we could become a systems integrator. We were getting hit up on the side constantly from people who were leaving places, starting their own shops, saying, how do I do this? How do I do this? And we sort of put two and two together and we said, all right, well, why not? Let's make a jump at it. And it's been fantastic. We've been 
growing ever since. We've got clients ranging from single people to full facilities to agencies that are multinational. And everybody's just trying to figure out the same thing, which is how do we do it and how do we do it most cost effectively? And can we make use of the cloud? Can I make use of what I have on premises? And that's where we sort of come in. You know, we're not necessarily selling a product. We're more selling our services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something really, um, you know, in, in, in the conversations that we had leading up to today's show, I think one thing that you guys really, um, really kind of brought home for me was the importance of changing your kind of worldview when it comes to uh, what you need and what you use. I know Randy touched on this back when uh, he, he uh, was the guest on the show, talking about building your, like your business at home and talking about, you know, how much uh, a computer do you need to buy? How much storage do you need? Really? That's the big question. That's kind of like uh, uh, the ultimate question when it comes to cloud computing and cloud resources is understanding not only what you need, but, uh, but kind of wrapping your head around how that easily that can be modified based on the needs yeah. that you have. Right? And, and the other side of it as well is, as we all know, in, in VFX, scale is, 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 a, is an interesting quantity, right? Mm-hmm. Because you so can be rotation, on... but yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, was, we're only nine minutes in, guys. I think he's got I his know. first uh, keyframe joke. Well, it's I'm like out. you know, you could you could do one job with two people, you could do another job with ten people, and how do you you know end up finding the balance between those two things? And and scale can be difficult when you talk about technology and the expense that goes into it, and you know even being able to get hold of it in some cases. Yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting. I mean, you know, we've had people approach us who are freelancers who get booked on a project and they don't have a machine, whether it's Maya, New Flame, you know, you name it. They say, hey, um, i got a project. I'm on this project for three days next week. Can you help me out? And that's been really, really interesting because we're able to spin up these machines. They can charge your clients for it. Um, they do their job, shut it down, and you haven't had to make any capital outlay. Um, from companies who, who spin up this entire virtual infrastructure. So instead of having to go find an investor, they're able to really just charge per project. You know, they, they don't have any capital outlay in the beginning. They spin up a project, they do the work, they pay the cloud provider after 90 days, hopefully after they've been paid. And that effect has been, been pretty major. But when I look at the prices, Tom, if I need 56 cores, like the prices are just ridiculous, right? Yeah. So that's exactly the thing. So what took me quite a while to figure out with the cloud is, is the pricing model. So under your desk, you've got a machine right now, right? Yeah, I've got two. And how many cores are you using right now? Uh, for Zoom? Two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, on, aver- on average, like uh, for, like a, for, like a, for like, a, like a cleanup job, like, yeah. I don't know, not many of them, like 20, 30% of the overall CPU cycles. Exactly. But, you know, but you've actually paid and you are paying for those cycles sitting there doing absolutely nothing right now. Yeah, um, I, took a, I took a loan to do it. I pay 500 something bucks a month for it. Exactly. Exactly. So where we come in is we sort of, if, if you were to take apples for apples and compare an iMac to or machine that can run flame to the cloud and you say, right, I want 64 cores. I want 256 gigs of memory. I want a 16 terabyte frame store and give me two graphics cards. And you compare that out. It doesn't you know, the finances don't quite make sense. But if you start monitoring flame and saying, right, what's it actually using? And then specifying your machines down to that, that's where it starts making sense. And we can get machines now that can do pretty much any comp and cleanup job, you know, and lead decently sized BFX jobs for around 400 to $500 a month, which is where it starts wait, becoming wait, really, wait. really attractive. For four or $500 per month US. Yes. 
Yeah. If you run them for 10 hours a day, five days a week. So keep in mind, you pay for every second that that thing is on. Now, we shut down the machines when people log out. We turn on the machines when people log in. So for 12 hours of the day, chances are that machine's doing absolutely nothing and it's sitting there costing you zero dollars. Whereas your machine that you bought and you've got your capital outland is sitting in your data center. If you were a large company with a data center or a single individual on your desk, you're paying for that. You are literally paying for that while you're sleeping. It costs me like 50 bucks a month just to turn the electricity on to my computers and my, and my networking. Exactly. Exactly. And also, you know, quantifying that thing is quite difficult. So when we had a big data center, we go in there and we go, right, how much does this rack cost per month? And it's very, very difficult to figure out how much that costs. And it's very difficult to quantify it and say, you know, I don't know how much money I need to spend on tech. I don't know if we're too small or too large. They kind of rely on people like us to, to you know, balance and manage those things on a weekly, daily basis. Whereas now I can get your report that says, hey, that job that you just ran, that job cost you $1,000 or cost you $1,200. It's really, really good being able to see those insights and see exactly how much money you use. So and, you can really measure where your, where, your, where your spend is. Exactly. And there's also the concept of, let's say you start this cleanup job on a machine that's at the lower end of the tier and you go, well, hang on a second, I need a bit more RAM. You know, you don't need to source RAM. You don't need to pay for it. You click a couple of buttons and double your RAM in, in the space of a few minutes. You know, yeah, let's, let's not forget, that's assuming right. you've even got available slots in the machine to add RAM, you know, if it right. is a physical machine. So that's, you know, it's so, it's so fascinating because, I mean, like I bought a, a new MacBook Pro over the summer, the new 16 inch, and I, I had to max it out. Why? Because you can't upgrade it. Because you can't upgrade it. That's exactly. it. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. you know, I installed iStat Pro, as Randy showed me, and I can tell you, the, I mean, I can list for you on zero fingers the number of times I've I've gone over forty gigs of RAM, you know. Exactly. Maybe so you pegged the the GPU or, or whatever, yeah. you know. So you've had to pay for that just in case you might need it, you mm. know. Which which is a mm. pretty bad business model if you think about it. Um, you know. Well, not if you're Apple. <laughs> not if you're Apple. No, exactly, exactly. Then then they're like, yeah, brilliant. Buy a new phone every year. Yeah. Um, one thing that used to you know be the bane of our existence was was rental machines. Um, mm. You know, it was Friday night, we booked a job, the producer comes running in or sends you a text at 7 p.m. saying, hey, we have five flame freelancers starting on Monday morning. Make it happen. Not can you make it happen or please make it happen, but like this has to start Monday morning. So it's like, oh, yeah. so what do we do? We get on the phone, we beg borrowing steel from people, find out hardware, who's got it, okay? If we find those machines, we get them in on the weekend, shipping department is there to get them, we all go in, we rack them, we power them, we monitor them, we, we boot them up, we get them running, we spend you know 15 hours installing the operating systems, getting them all working and running. Monday morning comes along and maybe we've maybe we've done it, maybe we've made it in time. I don't know. Whereas at the moment in the cloud, you know, we 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 start off with some images, right? So we, we basically have images of certain machines that do certain functions. Um, and we have something called an orchestrator, which is in control of your entire ecosystem. Uh, that's in control of like your active directory. Well, Tom will, will go into this in a little bit and you'll explain, you know, the bits and pieces that make up a, a full virtual facility. Um, and the beauty is if I want another flame, I think it takes three and a half minutes for me to spin one up. You know, I literally go into the orchestrator, I type in a command, which we're going to make a clicky button soon, but type in a command that gets me up a flame. And I then send that username and password to somebody to use. They log in and boom, they're on my network, they're on my flame. It's, it's, it's pretty so special. If you, so so if, if you're doing a cleanup job and all of a sudden they need you to do head replacements, you can find a friend and... Exactly. Find a friend, wow. no problem at all. Wow. And especially even if, it's, even if it's yourself, you know, if you're a single freelancer, 
and you're doing something and you're, you're struggling, you're struggling to get the work out the door, you can always subcontract to somebody who can join your session and you guys will, will, will share that same machine. You know, either they can wire into your frame store and use your project mm -hmm. like Wireworks and any normal network, or they can wire it across to themselves or you can write it up to server. You know, and that's quite a big difference because at the moment with COVID, what a lot of people are doing with their machines under their desks is having to send data. Now, the way that cable works is, you know, there's only so much data you can send down that pipe. And what the cable companies do is they, they, they split it up so it's 80% download. So they can offer that one gig download speed. But then mm -hmm. your upload is like 30 megabits a second, which is great. So, you know, if you were to send me something, I'll download it and it'll take an hour. I'll go blah, 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 working and working. Okay, let me send you a flame archive. The flame archive is 80, uh, 80 gigs. Okay, that's going to take me six, seven, eight hours to upload. And with this system, there is none of that because we're both on the same network, we're both on the same infrastructure. Um, it's the speed of wire. But, we, but, yeah, but you, have to be, you have to be in the same major city though, right? No, no, no not at all. So we've got a solution that basically caches data across sites. Um, it's still in proof of concept and still in beta at the moment, but basically um, it allows, if, if we were sitting in the West Coast here, uh, we spin up a data center and you hire somebody in London. Yeah, because like Miriam's in the chat. What happens if I if I need help and like I need Miriam to do some work for me? Like how how does that like she's in London? How does this work? Exactly. So basically, we spin up a caching appliance in the London data center that's closest to Miriam, and a machine that's closest to Miriam, and she then uses PC over IP to connect back to that machine, and we just we hydrate that data across to the caching appliance. So she is writing to the main file of storage, but reading from her local file of storage. But then, but then doesn't she need like a fancy computer or like, I mean, what, what does she need to? No, because you're using the cloud infrastructure to, to ship that bandwidth across, using their infrastructure to transfer that stuff. And I guarantee you, Google and AWS and Azure have more bandwidth than you do at home. I guarantee you. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive what their, their network infrastructure is. So, you know, Miriam, all she needs is her local internet because all we're sending her is keyboard video mics. We're just sending... PC over IP down that signal. Yeah, We're not that's shipping a lot of, data around. Wait, so how, so that's just, you're just sending pixels to her? Pixels, exactly. Yep. You're just sending pixels to her. The actual PC over IP client that you would run on, well, it's Windows, Mac, and Linux, but I think they also still have a um, an app in the Google store, right? That you can run on a, a, a what do you call it? Um, Tablet or something. Google laptop. What do they call them? Chromebook. 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 You know, you, you know, it's a very lightweight piece of software and all it does is it sends keyboard, video, mouse and pixels. But the actual like grunt of the machine, the actual, you know, the, the, the heavy lifting is being done in the cloud. Yeah. But can someone see those pixels? No. What do you mean, can somebody see them? I mean, they're AES256 encrypted, I believe. Oh, they're encrypted? Oh, so, it's, yes. so they're moving. So that's what the, so the PCIP is the, is the link that, PCIP is the protocol, and effectively, what it is is a macro blocks codec. If you want to get really technical, it's a macro block codec. Yeah, so, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like I do love a good codec, mate. And effectively, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's macro blocks. So if you've got Flame open and you're moving your mouse around, the only pixels that it's sending are the ones around your mouse. You start playing back full full frame rate, it's gonna do the whole lot, you know. So an interesting story to talk about bandwidth requirements. So Tom and I both really really enjoy fishing. And we have a guy that we go out with every now and again uh, at a lake here in California. And we were sitting on the boat. I had my laptop and I had my cell phone with me. And one of our clients had a bit of an issue um, where they needed some help in flame. And I literally turned my phone into a hotspot 
logged in over PC over IP on my, my laptop in the middle of the lake and was sitting there helping them, watching Flame play back in real time, watching them work um, while Tom was busy not catching fish. Mm, I do that a lot. Yeah. I guess that's the reason they call it fishing, not catching. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no. Oh, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> it's, um, it's really, really interesting, you know. And, and the other thing to talk about is like the, the actual infrastructure that the cloud providers have from machine to machine. So if, if Randy, if you and I are busy working on a job mm-hmm. um, and we were in a facility, chances are we'd have 10 gigabit networking between us, right? Which is... Mm-hmm. It's quite expensive. It's really fast. It's you know good enough for, for a lot of things we want to do. Mm-hmm. The cloud providers, they have far deeper pockets than any facility in the world. Um, their infrastructure from machine to machine is like 100 gig and multiples of 100 gig. Where we see things wire across from flame to flame, like it's near instant. It's actually really scary when your network is not the bottleneck, but it's rather your disks on your machine, which is like... It's 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 absolutely crazy how quick and fast they network. So so you can move stuff between computers faster than your disk and your computer can write it or read it. Exactly, exactly. Wow. And not only that, but also downloading off of them. You know, they you use their internet connection because that machine is sitting in a data center. Uh, call it call it AWS or Google, or whatever. You're using their internet, their connection to the internet to download files. So if a, if a client sends you something on a Spira. Um, and you hit download, it happens incredibly quickly. I think each of the machines is limited to about five gigabits up and down in terms of internet mm-hmm. bandwidth. Now, later on, when we actually jump onto a machine, you know, do me a favor, go to speedtest.net and run a speed test. Um, do that. You want me to do that now? Yeah, if, if you want, sure. We got a, I think we assigned your machine, you can log in. Yeah, I'll take a look. People in the chat, feel free to do the same and compare the difference. It's, uh, so what do I do? You want me to just speed just test it? Firefox, yeah. But just so everybody's clear, what Randy's running right now? Oh yeah. Is... Oh, this is this is a this is a Logic TV Cloud Flame. Yeah. And so where is this computer that I'm connected? Because I just connected through a, a an application you sent me a few minutes ago. Where 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 is this machine? Disclaimer: the lag you're seeing is Zoom. It's not machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, the speed of Randy's disks. This machine is hey. actually. This machine is actually in North Virginia. And I think we tested it. You have about 20 to 30 milliseconds latency, which is absolutely workable. Okay, so this is a speed test on the cloud. Holy cow. <laughs> so, so nice, nice 2.2 gigabits a second you're getting there. So, you know. Yeah, but when, the upload's got to be slow, right? Well, let's have a look. We'll wait to find out, yeah. Oh, I was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's faster. So, so this, this is faster. This is faster than my NVMe, my my internal NVMe storage can write on my that local is Mac crazy. Pro. Crazy. Yeah. So that's, that's like that. Oh, okay. That's okay. Okay. So then, how do I? And then so the, when so when clients send you a Spira, uh and you download it, you know it's coming in quick. Yeah. So if you open up Terminal, you want to ping your your local house to see your latency. Oh, is that a bad idea? Nah, screw it. No. no. Absolutely not. Uh-oh. It's probably going to want to click in the terminal. Do you know how nerve-wracking this is to watch like these engineers and all these engineers in the chat watch me struggle with my own IP address? Mate, yep. the secret to engineering is just Googling. Honestly. Oh, uh, you just gave away the secret. Tom. Oh, shit. Sorry. It's up there now. <laughs> I always joke that Randy always wants to be a closet engineer or is a closet engineer, rather. Um, uh, he really, really... And the first octet at your IP address is 73, not 70. Oh man, now you're making See, me all nervous. 
This is okay, like, well, this would be a good time to. Lively are on right now, and so I, 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 I can now feel their pain. So 27, 28 mil. So what? So this is, this is from Virginia to my computer to here house. in the suburbs of Chicago. Exactly. So you've got twenty milliseconds of twenty-seven milliseconds of latency between you and that machine. So when you move your mouse or move your cursor or anything, there's uh-huh. uh, zero, there's twenty-seven milliseconds of latency, which this you is know, fast. This feels like of, my local machine. Yeah, a lot of people. Um, it takes them a half a day or an hour or two to get used to it. Mm-hmm. There is a slight difference, and you can definitely feel it. Um, but it's like one of those things that your brain just compensates for after you use it for a little bit. It's 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 quite bizarre, you know. Kind of like learning move... flame in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do you remember? Do you remember flame when they used to move the exit button from left to right all the time between oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Same same sort of thing. Your brain just eventually gets used to it. You okay. Know, let cool. Me, let so... me try the same thing just to see what it's like from New York. If you don't yep. mind. Yeah, you do that. Okay, so someone else, um, Farhad was asking in this in the in the chat, um, uh, um, clients. So how like how can we share? Is there any way to share screens? So that's sort of the biggest the biggest thing right now, right? Mm-hmm. So getting your uncompressed video back to site is is the it's not the hardest thing. There are ways around it. There's means mm-hmm. around it, mm-hmm. and it's exactly the same thing that you struggle with today at your house with your flame on your desk. Yeah, uh, there's applications that can capture your desktop, that can send it, that can transcode it, but it's all sort well, of Zoom would work. Any web, I mean, any like any Zoom, Google, Zoom works surprisingly Me, well. Team yeah, viewer, yeah. So, what? so screen sharing, but but it sounds like the the broadcast monitor needs a little bit of uh, exactly. stuff. Is to get little... your third desktop, to get your your special, you know, uncompressed video out. What we really need is we need somebody to 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 help us with that integration, not and not help us. You know, ideally companies start picking up concepts like um, NDI or what's the, what's the other grid thing, Tom? That you ultra, were ultra grid, ultra grid. Yeah. Um, what do you know? Those, what do those do? So those essentially let you use those as a playout feature. So the same way that you select your Black Magic card or your Aja, you would select either NDI or you would select UltraGrid or, or one of those concepts, and that then lets you stream it to sort of any endpoint you want. Think of think of it as a virtual um, a virtual card, right? It's your yeah. virtual Aja card, and you can take that data and you can convert it to IP, so you can transmit it over the internet, which means you can look at it on any device that's capable of connecting to the internet. Yeah, okay. so I managed to. Uh, I was I was playing with Ultra Grid the other day, and I actually managed to DDoS myself because I forgot to take it out of uncompressed mode. <laughs> so, so Ultra Grid's quite good. So the 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 colorimetry, or at least the ability to control the colorimetry in Ultra Grid, is really really good. And the fact that you can do things like stream uncompressed video is great. I just happened to take down my own home internet while I tried it. The picture quality was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's a good question, though. So, like, what kind of home internet do you need to have? I mean, you got to have like what gigabit or something like fancy for this, right? Like, what's what's the what's what do you need? No, so that's sort of the thing, right? So, so if you're just going to be doing PC or IP, which is you want your keyboard, your video, uh, and your mouse. Now, video, I'm talking about the pixels that you're looking at right now when you log into your machine, right? You're looking. So, like, what's on monitor. what's on my my GUI monitor? Okay. Exactly. What's exactly in front of your GUI monitor? Um, it scales, right? So if you have three megabits a second, it's going to scale that picture down and you're going to see, you know, some artifacts, you're going to see some blockiness and it's not going to look that great. Mm -hmm. But generally we found if you have between 20 megabits and upwards, it's absolutely workable and absolutely useful. This sort of comes with the whole thing of, you know, perception. So it's, it's, it's quite tough. And this goes back to what I was saying where, you know, if you take a, a Mac off the shelf, 
uh, $30,000 Mac and you compare it with a cloud machine, it gets quite expensive. Mm -hmm. Now, what these cloud claims don't really do is if you start throwing 4K uncompressed 16-bit float at it, it's going to struggle, mm -hmm. right? Because of your frame store. You can get a frame store to handle it, but it's going to cost you thousands of dollars every month because you need this absolutely amazing um, system. <laughs> so I just have some, I just have a spot, some footage loaded in and like, it looks pretty, it looks, it's really good. Like I, I know zoom is, is, is tough, but I'm destroying it. <laughs> but locally though, it's, I mean, the UI looks, the, the UI looks clean. The video is a little, you know, has, looks a little blocky, like an MPEG four, but it looks great. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, it will scale as well. So the better your internet, the better quality your picture. Um, the whole notion is that this is possible, you know, and people somewhat need to rethink, like, do I need that uncompressed video? Do I need to work at, at 8K 16-point flow? Well, you what know? if I and do need to work at 4K 16-bit or something? Like, what's the playback there? Then we go into the cloud provider and you grab that slider bar and you drag it up and you give yourself more storage because the, the speed scales with your storage, but also scales with your wallet. So if you really <laughs> want that, yeah. that, it scales with your wallet. So if you really want that playback. I need, I need really all the speed and I've got no wallet. So yeah. Exactly. So if you really, really want and really need that playback, it's going to cost you money. It's going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. But what we found is, is most people, you know, and this is most people will come up with a working format. So they'll come up with, okay, we're going to, we, everything we ingest is going to be a 2K, blah, 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 blah. Um, and as they, they build that into their workflow and they build that into their pipeline so that anytime you ingest material, you spit it out at this working format um, that we know the flames that are comfortable price points can deal with and cope with. And okay. that has somewhat been, you know, that was a bit of a, a bit of an aha moment for a lot of these places. Because, you know, like I said, if you take your flames spec for spec and you spin them up in the cloud and you start playing, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot of money because you're not going to be using it. You're not right. going to be using that stuff. Quite a fun story that I like to tell people is back at my previous job. Um, well, quite a few years ago when Backburner was sitting on a second graphics card, I think we spent over $100,000 buying second GPUs for every single flame. Right? We had, I think in total at one point, we had like 96 flames. It was a pretty significant infrastructure. We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on these on these, these second graphics cards. We put them in and the first thing we did was graph them because anybody who knows me and I'm sure there's people on the call, I, I will graph the amount of milk in my fridge if I could. I love, <laughs> I love a graph. Um, I love a graph. Look at the grin on Tom Gentry. Wow. I know. Tom, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed uh, that. That's the first he time knows. I've heard that one. That was good. Yeah. <sighs> and um, what we found was they were in use 0.1% of the time. So you spent over $100,000 for a 0.1% increase, which is a horrific investment. It's absolutely terrible, you know? Right. And, and so that's why you really need to figure out your spec. You have to figure out what spec you want and what spec you need. And sometimes it involves rethinking your workflow. Sometimes mm -hmm. it involves and in saying, right, what is my client going to be watching this on? Is it going to be digital? Is it going to be going out to cinemas? What do I need to do here? So it's really, really interesting. That's right. Great. Like, do yeah. I really need to be working at four four point eight k anamorphic sixteen bit when you know exactly <coughs> when it's going out right two or something? Yeah, when it's going out to Instagram. Right. We've had these conversations so many times, even like in house where where I work at Lively. Of you know, our client is delivering us eight k uh, that they footage that they shot because they did, not mm -hmm. necessarily because it's needed, but because they did. Yeah. Right. Um, and what do you do with it? 
you know, do you just treat it as is? I mean, it used to be we just treated everything as is because you kind of did, you know. Yeah. But then you start exactly. talking about resources and the fact yeah. that these things duplicate and triplicate themselves. Those and, and she'll be standardized on a different like a on a on a on a like you said, like two point seven K, some something mastering format or intermediate. And those kind of conversations and those consequences are exponentially more yeah. costly exactly. if you're dealing with cloud workflow. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only cloud workflow, but also internally, you know, the jump from SD to HD cost facilities millions of dollars because they had to buy all that equipment and nobody paid for it. Exactly. Nobody paid for it. So it's not, it's not a new cost. It's just a cost that companies would previously assume as CapEx Mm -hmm. is now a cost of sale and it's above the line as, uh, as an OPEX. Yeah. So it it really makes a difference. Okay, Tom's. I've got some. I've got like a lot of little questions. Can I just rapid fire you some like like a like a one sentence question? Give me a one sentence answer. Absolutely. Okay, but you know, about, you know, engineers never usually respond with a one sentence answer. Well, I thought you were going to say the same thing about flame artist. <laughs> so, well, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our favorite question is, "Can I ask you one question?" Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Twelve you got, questions you, later. You got twenty-seven minutes for a question. Um, okay. What about? Um, oh God. What about licensing? So licensing is an area that we don't get involved in. We're not resellers. We don't resell licenses. We don't do anything. What we so, do, if you want, so so most licensed vendors right now will sell you a single user license or they'll offer you a perpetual license, but it's generally tied to an email address, right? So Randy, your flame license is probably tied to Randy at yeah, Mac.com yeah, yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what we do is we handle a machine and everything. And we get that up to the point and we give it to you. When you click on flame, you get prompted with a dialog box and okay. it's up to you or up to our clients or customers to go, to autodesk.com, type in your credit card number and sign up sign up for a flame license or okay. a Maya license or a new license or Houdini or any of those you know applications that we support. Okay, so um, I still get I still get to manage that. I still get to turn that off when I need to when exactly. I want to go to the beach. Okay. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You get to turn the license off and you get to turn the flame off when you don't need them. If that's you know if you wow. decide to yeah. go and sit on a beach okay. for two months. Okay. What about uh, uh, what about uh, Sapphire Sparks? Same thing. So in terms of running or, or the license? Yeah, I just want to, I want to install like Matchbox. Like I need my Python scripts. I need all the stuff. I, I like, I need my little kit up there in the cloud. Well, this is exactly what I was saying is, you know, the services we're offering, we're not offering Flame in the cloud. We're not offering you a cloud machine. Mm-hmm. We have built an infrastructure to spin up these facilities, but the service we're selling is, is myself and Tom. Um, okay, but I can still install my, I can still install, I can put the Python scripts from Python and all that if stuff. If you're comfortable installing them, we'll get you to the point. We'll give you all the passwords and you can install them yourself or we can handle it for you. No problem mm-hmm. at all. Okay, cool. Another question. Let's say I got it. You say I, I, I got it. I got this job. I, I want to work with Miriam in London on something. We are awarded. How do I get footage into the cloud? So that's also one of the biggest things right now. Uh, you know, everybody sends you, well, it's kind of 50, 50 from what I've seen. Some people will send you a digital link to download it. Some people will send you a drive. Um, I'm not a big fan of drives. I had a client recently who managed to drop a drive um, and all the footage went gone. There's that job gone. So fortunately, they got a good the product- story out of it. You know? Fortunately, the production house had a backup, but you know, if they didn't, that entire job is gone. Um, so what we found is gen- people gen- will generally have a resolve uh, on-prem and to plug the drive in to make your working format that I was talking about. So make your working format that you like. Um, and we'll take that footage and upload it to the cloud. So you kind of need to upload it once. What okay. you can do is set up results to set up to send proxies. So you can quickly start bashing together thing or do a quick conform. 
um, you know, it's, it's all part of your workflow. There's a million and one different ways to solve that mm. problem. But at some point, you're going to have to take your data from your hard drive and upload it into the cloud. The yeah. same way that if you're in a big facility, you need to take it off of your hard drive and put it into your uh, NAS appliance. So, and there's also a, a bunch of different, you know, services online for large file transfers, you know, mm-hmm. spare sure. and massive and Okay. That's an important thing to remember is that like there's there's one of the examples of a of a either a disadvantage or a challenge or something with having a cloud infrastructure and, and we've all dealt with it. I mean, everybody's yeah. working remotely now. You know, no matter how you're 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 managing to connect with your 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 coworkers or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But there are workflows. 100%. There are solutions. You know, it becomes a tool. it's important to figure them out and establish them. And then it's it's less of a mystery. It's less of a gotcha. It's something. It's a known. You know. Yeah, exactly. The cloud doesn't solve every single problem. You know, like like footage being on a drive that you know is spinning disk that is susceptible to being dropped. The cloud is not going to solve that. You know, <laughs> uh, using the using the using the cloud as a place to to store a backup of it is great because you can't yeah. really drop the cloud. I don't think. Um, <laughs> it floats. <laughs> but the thing is that you know you're still going to have to get it there in one way or another. You know, there's sort of no magic wand that can be waved to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. easily, cheaply, for free in 0.01 seconds. Right. Yeah. Exactly. What you said so, before too is that like you know the you, you're at least you guys are working on solutions uh with like the 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 local appliance that caches the, the that is actively in the background managing making sure that artists separated by geography even though they're collected connected to the local data center that the data is remaining synced between the two exactly. uh, or mm-hmm. however many artists. Exactly. And the whole point of this, pre- the, the whole premise is we want to take it away from the artists. We don't want the artists to sit there and manage data. We don't want the artists to sit there and worry about transferring files and doing that. And that's where, you know, this caching thing that we're working on is is, is really, really good because you, you pretty much set it and forget it and it handles yeah. everything in the background. Okay. Um, so, so cool. I've got my flame. I got the, I got, I've got footage that my flame can ingest. But like, what if I have a friend? What if I have a Maya friend? And do I do we have do we get like a server? Like like, um, John is asking the server like what you know what kind of cost for like five hundred gigs storage for a job? Or like what's like if I need a server and I need email and I need I need so Google Drive and chat like sure. So that's sort of the system that we have developed. You know, again, after just telling you that we're not selling a product, you know, we 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 found an open source product um, and we worked on it and we tweaked it and we've been you know in the way busy scrolling it away and. What it allows us to do is spin up virtual facilities and we can basically go, okay, do you need Maya? Do you need Houdini? Do you blah, 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 blah. Tick these boxes, click go, and we get a facility. And what that facility does is it's essentially the same thing as, as a, a facility, you know, down the street in brick and mortar. It's got a NAS server. It's got Active Directory for you to authenticate. It's got... Um, email? Uh, yes, we can, we can set up email 100%. Um, it's got a pipeline integration as well. It's got a tool that we're busy working on right now um, that integrates with all the common existing pipeline tools out there. Um, you know, if you wanted a track or shotgun or everything, this tool integrates with those and talks to those. Um, but from the artist perspective, it's like a different interface and, and all sorts mm-hmm. of things. Um, so yeah, it really is like, it can be as big as you want or as small as you want. We can go soup to nuts. And the yeah. other thing that's really handy is that it can tie in with what you have existing. So a lot of people right now, in the beginning of COVID, a lot of facilities are going, right, how big do I need to be? I've got an entire building that was filled with a thousand people. Everybody wants to work from home now. Everybody's enjoying working from home. People want to come into the office and work from home for three days a week. How do we do that? With your machine under your desk, 
And a cloud machine, it wouldn't make sense because you'd be paying twice. You'd be paying for that machine on your desk and you'd be paying for the cloud machine. So we will come in and we'll set it up so that the existing machines on your desk, whether you're in your office or at home, you'll be connecting back to that same machine. We'll cache that data into the cloud. And then if you want anybody to, instead of buying a new machine, putting it under the desk, moving forward, you will just be spinning up cloud machines. And again, you know, th this isn't anything secret. This isn't a, a, a fancy new tool. There's, there's a lot of places been doing this for a long time. Um, it's, there's no secret source. There's no special mm -hmm. thing. Anybody today can go into the AWS marketplace, search for a tier DG workstation, click buy and boop, get prompted with a Windows machine. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not difficult. Um, you know, where we come in is we've got VFX experience and we help people integrate that into their pipeline from companies who are just starting up who you know want to take on one show once and have a local uh, freelance work pool to one to to that story that i told you earlier on with that client who called us up who wanted a nuke for three days mm -hmm. uh, it's it's that sort of where where tom and i come in is we really want to come and just try and help people move along we just want to help people we also get under desks and wire cables you know yeah we do right. sort of everything my old boss um, used to say something really nice and you know he would start off tours by basically starting up at the roof looking at the air conditioning systems and then you'd take people down into the basement to look at where all the power came and he said right we're responsible for that and everything in between which I think is just so succinct and so perfect because that's mm. what engineers do gunpowder does the same thing and cloud you know mm. so, so we're yeah. not just a cloud provider we're not just looking at pushing people down the cloud if you need help um, updating your flame or if your frame store dies and it's Friday night, give us a call. You know, we, we've got the experience and that's, that's really what sort of differentiates us. I've got a couple of questions here uh, in the chat. I guess that was not a one, one sentence answer, so sorry. Oh, that's okay. It really depends that's on okay. the situation. In order, in order to pay you back, Tom, I think it's a good, good time to admit and then the best time to admit that for the last 10 years since I've known you, every time my machine crashes, I put your email address in the Autodesk uh, notification tool. And, uh, and so if anyone from Autodesk is listening, I'm sorry, and Tom Taylor is not crazy, it's me. And I'm the one that's been adding phishing and flame-related quotes to his crash reports for the last 12 years. Somebody's sitting there going, I just thought Tom was really good at breaking flame. Like, how did this <laughs> no, guy ever get any work done? No, that's no wonder nobody calls me back. No, no. no wonder nobody talks to me. Thanks, Randy. No, that's, uh, you, you're welcome. That's um, the, the three yeah, so quick John, questions. Yeah, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Andy. For Well, John, uh, John wanted to know, um, uh, typical costs, 500 gig of storage for flame. Like what would a, like a 10 hour, five days a week, 10 hours a day, typical cost for 500 gig storage flame? The um, machine, the machine you're working on is yeah. what is it? It's 16, 16 CPUs, 64 gig of RAM, 500 gig frame store, and running 24/7. It's mm -hmm. 800 bucks a month. I think we worked it out as 800 yeah. US for yeah. for Aussie for Australian John. Yes, and that but that's running 24/7. <laughs> now I'm yeah. guessing you're going to sleep sometime. Probably, probably half the time. Not, Fitfully, not, but yes. Not according to my clients, but okay. Yeah. I'm guessing you're going to try and take Saturdays and Sundays off whenever you can. Mm -hmm. um, so, so generally what we see is, you know, we take that price and we halve it usually. Okay. And then we kind of, there's a, there's a, a halve it. And then there's like a 20% buffer from, okay. from some, some months it's low, some months it's high. So, mm -hmm. you know, $800 a month suddenly becomes $400 a month. And then you're either going to be paying three, 360 to 380 on a slow month 
you know, you might be paying 150 uh, on a busy month, you might be paying 600. So it is that sliding scale. And and there are, uh, you know, obviously with, with cloud, I know this is a relatively hot topic. They, they, I wouldn't go as far as to say there's hidden fees, but there's other minor like charges mm-hmm. that will that will appear like uh, yes. data ingress and egress um you know holding on to those discs costs you a certain amount of money if they're not being used so like it's not as licensing. if you could licensing yeah exactly yeah. so it's not as if you the gpu uh, because that example, does not include the license that i need to bring does not include the license you need Got to it. bring. okay okay exactly. and if okay. you're using say if you have a windows instance for example there will be a you know a cost for the windows license again none of it's hidden but you know, I can't necessarily say in good faith it's eight hundred bucks a month. If you use it fifty percent of the time, you will be paying four hundred dollars on the dot. That's not exactly quite of course, how of course. it but works. Just ballpark, because that's yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I took a loan out to spend five hundred something a month for my machine, plus electricity, plus all the Saturday and Sunday nights I spend jiggling cables. Yeah, no, it's it's you know, and this is why every every situation is unique. Um, we have clients that are hybrid uh, who are expanding to other geo regions and. You know, they've got a physical presence right now and they want to expand to another region and they're going, right, do I go data center and buy everything or do I go full cloud? Uh, and we've generally found people are going full cloud. But question for you about, oh, sorry. Yep. Question for you about security. Uh, there's a question in the chat from Quinn about tier one security, like referring to studio security audits. Do you guys offer any kind of solution where like, let's say uh, I'm an individual and I want to work on something for a studio and they say, hey, I mean, do you, do you sell something or offer something that already meets those requirements? Yeah, so Tom and I are quite quite versed in the security requirements, um, being you know part of a major facility previously for many many years. Um, we were both chairman of the security council, so so we build that to best standards. And what we're finding today, especially in the beginning of COVID, is all these clients are relaxing and releasing some of their their stipulations. You know, previously it was no cloud rendering, no cloud anything. Bottom line. Um, no monitors facing the windows. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. No. Um, immediately when COVID hit, they released a new paper to say, hey, we realize people are working from home. These are the new guidelines. And those those guidelines are cloud-friendly. But they do require, you know, ACL lock jobs, the fact that nobody else who's on your same project can just immediately have access. So we build those things in, into your system and work with you based on a, a job-per-job basis. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we have the experience to be able to sort of tick all the boxes just because we understand what those boxes are and what they mean, you know, yeah. but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's totally possible to make the cloud incredibly secure. It's mm-hmm. equally possible to make it insecure if you don't know what you're doing. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is the thing It's uh, it's, I was saying earlier, the analogy is a bit like that game theme park. You sort of grab a roller coaster and grab one of these things and plug this in and do that. And hopefully it, you know, yeah. it sort of works. I mean, the elephant in the room is, you know, the margins aren't there, but they used to be in, in this industry. Whether you're in front of the camera or behind the camera, the, the margins aren't quite the same. Now, a lot of those stipulations are for major budget productions, huge, huge, big productions. But what's happened is a lot of advertisers have come along and looked at those stipulations and said, oh, that sounds good. I would like that as well. You know, I would like an air gap network. I would like um, my own server. So I don't want somebody else looking at my jobs. And they, they put in all these stipulations, but sometimes to carry those out requires such uh, an investment that you can't do it. That suddenly the job doesn't become financially viable. I mean, we, you know, without naming names or anything, we did a job uh, where the client specifically asked for an air gap network and we put the pricing together for us 
renting our own equipment and putting them in and, you know, 250 rental notes. And suddenly it made that job not profitable. And it was like, oh, oh shit, what do we do now? That, that job that we've signed up on inside said, yes, we can do this, it's not profitable. So we actually spoke to their security team and we said, look guys, you know, we, we can't do this and, and make money off of it. Uh, well, sorry, your, your client can't do this and make money off of it. Um, but what we want to do is to introduce cloud rendering. And this is how we're going to do it. This is the security measures we're going to put in place. And this is how we're going to make sure that nobody else has got access. And they went through it and we had a discussion with them and they said, cool, go for it. And that is a perfect example of how the cloud in that instance turned a job from being non-profitable to profitable. Mm-hmm. That, that's major, you know, when it comes to security. So security is at the forefront of everything today. Um, every single job wants to be locked down and in its own environment. And we sort of build that in from the ground up. So by default, you don't have access to everything cool. mm-hmm. unless you want to. Well, this is the thing as well. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, if, if should this situation arise whereby there needed to be a, a very small environment to work on a very you know, secure projects, you know, you can just spin up a new Google project, do the orchestrate parts, effectively build your little sub facility yes. and harden it and only invite those that are, that are on the list. You know, it's um, again, I, I say that, of course, in those circumstances, you would need to have that conversation first. With the client, yeah. Of course, goes without saying. But, you know, fundamentally, it's one of those things whereby if you need another one, you can get another one. Yeah. All, all, that, all that really matters is the, the cost at the end of the day. The ease of adoption should be relatively straightforward. Yeah. The other question common- we had in the chat was about uh, monitor calibration. Is it possible to calibrate your monitor on a virtual workstation? Uh, I mean, the, the monitor's obviously physical, not in the cloud. So you could, uh, I think it sort of depends how you do it. If you're using something like Color Monkey installed on the machine and you have like an, I'm, going to get the product names wrong probably you have like an i1 probe i believe those do work over pc over ip there's that you can a lot of usb devices do work over pc over ip um so that should work in theory you might be better off you know like my setup for example i've got a monitor and a laptop plugged into it if i need to get to a cloud flame i open up the the pc over ip software i would probably calibrate it using my local laptop because that sort of makes a bit more sense yeah. Um, you know, the colorimetry between the cloud machine and your and your monitor is sort of no different. You know, it doesn't do any shifts to the best of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as your local monitor is calibrated, it's calibrated irrespective of the source that comes into it. As long as there's not funny stuff going on in the GPU. But mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Um, John mentions here, you know, I think when I was talking about costs, he was looking at uh, the bandwidth fees and being 50% mm-hmm. of your cloud costs. Um, that's actually not the case. So the bandwidth cost and the egress fees, that's the first question we get from anybody is how much is it going to cost me to transfer my files? Um, and I don't know because I don't know how big your files are. I don't know how much you're going to transfer. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, you know, it's the hardest thing to quote. I can quote you getting 300 Myers, no problem at all. Um, but I don't know how much data you're going to use. But I will say this, in our clients that we've got, you know, and we've got an array of clients from 80, 90 people shops to multinational companies to one people, there's a theme. And your egress fees are generally like number seven or eight on your bill, which means the top things that you pay for are your graphics cards, your licensing to NVIDIA for that graphics card, because all cloud providers pay for that. Uh, Your storage is next, because high-speed storage is very expensive still. 
then it's like your CPUs, your memory, blah, 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 blah. And then you have egresses. Mm. And, you know, these places are not shy about the amount of data. They don't think about it. But because it's number seven or eight in a 10-item long bill, it, it kind of falls into the backside. And they, they don't think about it. They don't worry about, oh, shit, I've got two terabytes to upload. How much is it going to cost me? Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not as prevalent as people think. Yeah, it, it all sort of depends. But, you know, if, if, if you're only using a cloud flame for one day in a month, but you spend the other 29 days uploading 80 terabytes worth of data, your, your English is going to be, yeah. Uh, you know, that's a terrible analogy, but, um, you know, but gen, generally speaking, Tom's right. It's, 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 it's lower down the list of costs. It's still there. It is still a cost, but generally speaking, depending on the provider and depending on what you're doing and depending on a bajillion other things, it's not a significant piece of your bill. Let me ask you this. Generally speaking. Like, uh, I, with, res with respect to storage and the data that you have to upload and, and maintain, I have jobs that go on forever. I'm sure we all do. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, is there an option to you know, upload your data, work with it, and then for that week or two or whatever that you've spun down your, your flame in the cloud or your system in the cloud, can you, can you migrate that data to some lower cost, slower uh, so area on like a, whoever your cloud provider of choice is? Exactly. So not only can you do that, you kind of have to do that. Again, you're paying for everything, right? You are paying for literally everything. So if you keep it online and you keep it there, it's going to cost you more money. But if you take that stuff and you just put it off to an object store, which is, I cannot tell you how cheap an object store is. It's unbelievably cheap. You know, I mean, it's, my it costs my more to tell me how much it costs. <laughs> yeah, this this coffee costs more than you know, like a hundred terabytes on the on the on glacier storage. Um, no problem at all. So so we we build that into our system. You know, so you can literally take jobs, move them off to a near line, and pull them back and, and migrate data in between the two. No problem. Yeah, and there's there's a there's a bajillion different tools out there as well to to do that. There's, yeah. You know, ob object stores in the cloud are not sort of uh, architecturally the same as having a disk, right? It's sort, sort of slightly Very different. Weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense if you really want to spend the time reading the white papers. Um, no. But, you know, there, there are a huge amount of tools out there that now sort of natively support it, okay. you know, um, which literally you just have to Google it. And there's, there's a ton out there. Some of them are faster than others. Some of them are easier to use than others. Some of them are completely mm -hmm. unusable, in my opinion. But, you know, it's, there, there's a lot of different tools out there to mm -hmm. be able to move your data from your server, which is effectively spinning disks, to your object store, which is a you know, Google bucket that is architecturally different, still there, still available, just costs you less money. I imagine it's faster to take it from that bucket, that object store thing, and put it back onto your, your, your tier one storage, right? Than it would be to upload it yeah. again? It's sometimes it might be scary, scary fast. Scarily mm -hmm. fast. Yeah. When you consider, <laughs> yeah. when you consider what you're doing from having previously mm -hmm. done that in, you know, with physical fast disk and physical slow disk and now a cable in between them to see how fast it can move some data between one and the other is, is yeah. pretty impressive. Okay, Tom, I'm going to give you one more chance at some, at, at, at one sentence answers. Cause I got a few more rapid fire questions. Cause I want to find out what this is, okay. what, what it doesn't, what it isn't good at. Pen pressure Tom. sensitivity. Pen pressure sensitivity. So that is a Teradici limitation. You need a specific Wacom tablet. They only support various different models. Um, but it does, but it does support it. You just need a specific one. You need a specific yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. 
what about, um, oh, I just forgot what I was going to say. Oh, crap. Andy, save me. Thank you. <laughs> Next week on Logic Live, we have. Uh... <clears throat> oh, what was it? Oh, oh uh, fonts install. Fonts, fonts work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the same, same thing. People need to remember the cloud is just somebody else's computer. That's okay. all it is. Okay. So it's a computer you install, whatever, whatever you install on there is going to be available to you. Okay. Uh, what, what, um, what about my, what about um, sent uh, Linux, uh, GNOME versus KDE? Cause it looks, it looks different when I sign into it. Right. So why does it, why does it look different than what I'm used to? Yeah. It looks so different that, because I like GNOME and Tom Gentry likes KDE and I won that argument. That's <laughs> okay. not strictly speaking true. <laughs> yeah, no, out, out of the box, um, those instances are running CentOS, uh, CentOS 7 with the GNOME environment. You can absolutely install the KDE environment. You've just got to do yum install some, uh, okay. KDE. Desktop. Yeah, because when I first saw this, I was like, what? This doesn't look like a flame. Yeah, it, it you know, it behaves mostly in the same way, you know, um, I've found. Uh, but yeah, it's, it sort of looks unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. You can absolutely do KDE um, just out of the box. This is what it looks cool. like. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's also worth if mentioning I, that. I, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, if I, I, was, I had a follow-up question. Like if I had a, uh, also had a need for uh, like the Adobe suite or, you know, in addition to the Flame stuff or the, the Linux-based stuff, I also needed to run uh, yep. Windows-based stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, we, we build these images. Uh, we customize them to the point that you go click, click. So the PC over IP client, when you log into it, if you've got a Windows machine, a Flame assigned to you, um, when you log in and hit go, it will prompt you and say, which machine do you want to log into? Do you want to log into your Flame, your new, your Maya, um, or your um, Windows machine? What we do generally is we install all the apps on one. So we, we don't differentiate between a Flame and a Nuke and a Maya. Um, all the apps are sort of hosted on a central app server and you pull them across your network to, to any client that you've got. Um, which is handy. So, so, you know, any artist will have a Windows machine and a Linux machine and use either application each. You know, if you really want my and Windows, we'll get that for you as well. No problem. Um, it's, it's, it's entirely up to you. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, supporting Windows is really, really not an issue and being able to, to bring up Windows at the same speed as we do the Linux machine is also an issue. Windows costs more, sort of inherently, because you do have the licensing fee, um, but it's all perfectly possible. And what uh, about NAC? Coming. What? Coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. Yeah. Wait, what? You can officially spin up Macs in one of the cloud providers uh, in AWS. Pretty impressive. Um, and Teradici have announced Mac support. So, oh, oh that's cool. Yeah. It's pretty uh, impressive. So when... Jeff has a question. Oh, oh sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, Jeff. Jeff's question. Go. Jeff had a question in the Q&A. Uh, how easy is it to get your user in there, like your Flame user data, your hotkeys and stuff like that? Do you have to create it all from scratch? What happens if you spin up a computer one time and then spin it up three months later? Is it the same machine or do you have to transfer all that stuff, user fonts, Sapphire, Matchbox, whatever, over again? No, the, if, you, if you're working on a machine for a few weeks and you turn it off and you go on holiday for three months, when you turn it back on, it's in the same state as it was. Yeah. Um, in terms of hotkeys and whatnot, you know, if you're, if you're working on a local Linux machine, you have your hotkeys set up and then you want to transfer them to a cloud machine, it's just in the user discrete user username directory. Dot hotkey, I think. Yeah, Dropbox drop himself to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Letary wants to know about back burner monitor and burn. Yeah, we can, same thing. It's just another application. Install it and get it going, no problem at all. So you can do a cloud flame with cloud burns. Absolutely. And scale however many cloud burns you want. Absolutely. Whoa. 
So, so you can scale via several metrics. We can write a custom script that'll scale it for you, which, which we, we do with some folks. Um, or what we found is we spin up one machine, um, and when that machine hits 60% CPU usage or 80% CPU usage, it'll spin up another machine. And then when, that, when those two hit 60%, it'll spin up another machine. So it sort of scales you know, based on CPU usage, which is, is really, really cool. You can also make them scale on GPU usage with a little bit of Google Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. Wow. 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 Uh, we're, we're, we're at an hour. So I wanted to see if anybody had any other questions for Tom and Tom. That went quick. Anything specific you wanted to that see? Oh, we had fun. You guys are great. Thank you. Uh, oh, Alan has a question. Uh, have you explored doing a cloud central stone and wire machine? No, that's definitely no, on the to-do list. But I, that's the first I... one word answer we got from Tom Taylor today. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, but I, I, I understand uh, um, what you mean, Alan, and it's, yeah, it's quite intriguing. It's definitely something worth, worth yeah. you know, um, doing the science project on. What that entails, sorry, it was one word also followed up by another <laughs> one. What, what that entails is basically having your flames be ephemeral machines. So you can tear them down and nuke them at any point, and it doesn't matter. Um, you just spin up another one, and it connects to a central frame store and a central project directory, which is really, really cool. Well, it's, a great, that, it's a great concept, and yeah, it's, it's Alan, theory is Alan sound and possible. Alan might have some experience with that, that concept. Yeah, I, yes. I think I've seen, I've seen those videos. <laughs> we all have. Very good. Very cool. Cool. Well, does anybody have any other questions? If so, put them in the chat or put them in the q and I want to thank you guys both very much. This has been phenomenal. Sure. Thank you. Thank you it's been, yeah, it's been great. You know, if, yeah. if anybody has any further questions or would like to contact us, we'll, we'll send along our, 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 we'll share our email addresses and we can help you out. You know, the whole, the whole gist of this is we want to take the tech out of your lives so that you don't have to worry about it. But then um, what would I do on Saturday and Saturday and Sunday nights, Tom? I told you closet engineer. <sighs> <laughs> um, it, it, we really that just composting make... project you've been working on. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a much better composter than compositor. <laughs> Um, you know, that's, that's the whole gist is you want the tech to disappear in the background and you just want to work on a machine that you know works. Yeah. And the other thing as well is that both me and Tom, we really enjoy visual effects, which is, yeah. you know, this is the thing, like you wouldn't want to be an engineer or, or an IT bot or however we, you want to phrase it. You wouldn't want to be one of those in any other industry. really. I, I always in call them po posing, posing jeers, posing, poser engineer, pose engineers. That's what I am. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, for anyone that's got a couple of follow-up questions, there's, we'll do a follow-up Q&A with the patrons only immediately following this. And Alan, I believe that's probably why we got our signals crossed. Um, also, uh, Tom Taylor and Tom Gentry are in the forums and you can mention, mention them at Gunpowder. They've got a new group. So you can, uh, in, in, we'll post a chat with us and we'll, we'll hook you guys up with their names if you have any follow-ups. Cool. And we got some more announcements coming out soon. So yeah, we'll uh, you know we're we're pretty young and we're pretty new and we're we're loving it so far and we're we're growing. We're seeing where this this crazy industry takes us. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you guys. Let me uh, let me do a little housekeeping here. Right, we have it's it's my it's one of my favorite things to do here on Logic Live. It's Logic Live prize time. And no, Randy, I'm going to beat you to it. I have to update this logo. And I will do that. I promise. I'll have that in for next week. Blacker. Um, let's see. So here's something that uh, I always find to be technologically advanced, and that is this uh, random name generator website that I found, which today is brought to you by um, 
Hey, I don't know. I can't read that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, let's just see uh, who wins today. A mask. A uh, Logic Live mask. Courtesy of Paul Hill. Oh, my God. Yes. Are you still here? Oh, my God. So the, the backstory, this is, is right. Like, this is like the third time, right? Oh, he didn't leave, did he? Yes, there he is. Oh, okay, there he good. Is. Yes. There have been so many times where he hasn't been on, or like, you know, he was on or whatever, but his name hasn't. Anyway, congratulations, my friend. You have won a, uh, a Logic.TV mask, courtesy of our friends at Cinesis. Stay safe and stay fashionable with a Logic.TV mask. All right. Awesome. Let me stop this damn music and uh, go back here to let's talk about next week next week on logic live uh we're gonna have another machine learning themed episode i'm super excited about this uh we're gonna be joined by two people uh the first is cristobal venezuela who's one of the founders of runway uh i'm sure you've all you all saw their uh runway announced green screen which is their machine learning based masking and roto tool i've been using it for the last week or so and it's like it's mind-blowing uh it i can't wait to have these guys on i i chatted with with cristobal last week and uh, just even the backstory of like the history of his company is just amazing. So he's going to come on and talk about uh, the latest in machine learning with green screen. And also Andre is going to join us. Uh, he's the guy who put together the uh, the machine learning time warp script that everybody is that is the the, the uh, on the forum. It is the one post with the longest thread, <laughs> right? It, it is the like number. It is the number one viewed. Yeah, the number one viewed. It's got two thousand views and a couple hundred comments, which is it's amazing. Yeah, and it's so amazing. yeah, Andre's going to be on to. To talk about it and uh he's he's i mean a huge shout out to him because uh he updates this thing like every week as people have been making requests or comments uh about features they'd like to see he adds them and also as the the models uh are updated and posted up on github he incorporates those he's also been in touch with the guys who uh, developed the model and uh they're they're not going to be on live uh, but if you do have some questions um you know, I'll put this up in the post, send the questions ahead of time uh, for them, and I'm happy to pass them along. So that's next week. Um, and I will put uh, up on logic.tv. Actually, on Logic, I'll put the link up. I forgot to get the link ready to, uh, for this. So I'll put the link up. Um, so that's next week, right? We're doing machine learning again. Super excited about that. On March 14th, our friend Finn Yager is going to come on. I believe he wants to talk ACEs and color, color workflow. So that's going to be awesome. Thanks so much for him. Uh, followed on March 21st by Jeff Kyle and Connected Conform. Uh, Jeff's going to be, uh, you know, diving pretty deep into Connected Conform. He's put together this uh, Logic Academy tutorial or, or, or series rather uh, of, of three episodes that we're going to release soon, and it's really an amazing deep dive into Connected Conform. Jeff con confronts like head on. These are the things to look out for. These are the gotchas if you really want to get the most out of this workflow. And so super, super appreciative to uh, to Jeff for putting that together. Uh, March 28th, Render Dome 2. This time it's instinctual. Uh, Alan, Alan, you missed the uh, the slide. Hold on. You got to rack up the slide, Alan, because yeah. you because it's legendary. I'm coming back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So we've got Alan versus Jesse, the instinctual throwdown. I cannot wait for that. And uh, and then after uh, the Easter after Easter Sunday, we're gonna have where the hell did it go? Here it is. Um, the guys from actionvfx.com who are sponsors of Logic Live are going to show uh, some of the amazing things you can do with the, the VFX stock that they have available at ActionVFX. If you haven't signed up for the forum, please do at forum.logic.tv. Thank you, Randy, for everything you've done to get that place going and running and thriving. How many users are we up to now? Not enough. 
Thank you. Sorry. So go ahead and make Randy's dreams come true. All right. And sign can, up. Can, can please help us get to get to a thousand twenty-four. I really, I just, I, I like round numbers. And if we can get to ten bit, <laughs> then I'll just shut the site off and we'll and we'll go we'll go to the beach. There you go. Uh, so this episode of Logic Live and all the episodes of Logic Live are available or will be available at logic.tv. I'll have that up soon and you'll be able to sign up for next week's up there as well. Uh, I'm working on another episode of the podcast, so stay tuned. It's just been a little busy, but I will get that to you as soon as I can. I want to thank everybody who subscribed to our YouTube channel last week. I put a little thing up uh, uh, on uh, on Facebook Logic and on the forum to please. We're trying the same thing, get over a thousand users or a thousand subscribers. So, you know, bug your friends, uh, bug your family, get that subscribed. Thank you very much. And uh, also patreon.com slash logic TV. Uh, if you'd like to support what we're doing here. And again, like Randy said, we have some exclusive content for, for some of our patrons, including like a, a Q&A with Tom and Tom following this session here. And of course, Horus Effects. If you guys are in the market for any of their plugins, please use Logic-15 at checkout. Um, and uh, Gunpowder, our new best friends, Tom and Tom. <laughs> if you do have any questions for them, please, uh, you can email them at info at gunpowder.tech. These guys are awesome. Thank you very much for coming on today. And thank you to Cinesis.io. You know them, you love them. Uh, solutions development, integration, and support supporting flame artists since 1997. That's going to do it, everybody. Patrons, we'll see you uh, on that separate link in a couple minutes, which I just realized I never sent to Tom and Tom. So <laughs> be on the lookout for that. Batting a 1,000 today. And uh, there you go. Thank you very much, everybody. Everyone knows that Boris FX makes the best plugins in the business. Mocha, Sapphire, Silhouette Paint, Continuum, and the new Optics. You can save 15% on all of Boris FX plugins, either standalone or subscription, by using the code LOGIC-15 at checkout. That's capital L, lowercase o-g-i-k, dash one five at checkout. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by Cinesis.io. To find out more about their remote workflow solutions, check them out at Cinesis.io. See you next time.